You're listening to the weekly podcast of Hope Community Church, where we desire to see people transformed by the love of Christ. Join us as we study God's Word together. Morning again. So when Pastor Joel told me that uh, he was going to be gone and uh, that I would be speaking, normally he says, okay, you're going to preach on this piece. But this week, he said, you know what? You have free reign. Preach on whatever you want. Well, this was the very first thing that almost immediately popped into my mind. And it's mainly because, well, for a couple of reasons. It's been a piece of Scripture that I've enjoyed kind of chewing on for a little while. Um, I, uh, I find it funny in some parts and challenging. And so, I've enjoyed it for a while. The other reason is because there's parts of it that mean a lot to me, especially in the past little bit. So, I have two purposes today. One, I want to open up Scripture, and we're going to read the Scripture together and try and pull out some pieces that may, you know, may speak to your heart. The other reason is one of the things I have to do uh, in the next two years is become ordained. Part of my ordination process is reading through the Bible twice. So I've been doing that, and one of the things that was really impressed on me lately is that over time, when God did something really cool or really big, people would build an altar or they'd pile up rocks as a remembrance of what God did. And so every time they passed by that, they would worship, they'd be able to look what God did. That's what today is for me. Today is my pile of rocks. And you understand what that means as we get going along. So I'm hoping that this message will be encouraging to you. But honestly, I'm up here to praise and worship God for what He's done. So I want to read from John chapter 11. Now, John chapter 11 has this verse in it that it's kind of every Sunday school kid's go-to verse when they say, you know what, Um, you need to recite a a verse from memory. If there's a few of you shaking your head, you know what verse I'm going to. And it was my favorite verse when somebody challenged me with, recite a verse from memory. Well, in John chapter 11, The shortest verse in the entire Bible is found there. It is two words. Jesus wept. Done. I win. So that started my journey with enjoying John chapter 11. But there's a lot more to John chapter 11 that I just, I've fallen in love with. So let's read the story. We're going to break it up. We're not going to read and jump in on all the parts and pieces of the story. We're just going to pick out a few areas. So John chapter 11 We're going to start at verse 1. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. 
Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so he heard that Lazarus was ill. He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Think with me for a few seconds. Think of a friend that you love dearly. If you have one and they happen to live close by, imagine with me that you receive a phone call and they say, they're really sick, possibly going to die. What's your natural reaction going to be? I'm going to drop everything and go. I love this person. I'm going. That doesn't happen here. I love this piece of Scripture because it's, it's just so ironic that it, it just trips me here. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so He stayed two days longer. How weird is that? What is Jesus doing? Have you ever been in one of those situations in your life, and I know you have, have you ever been in a situation where you go, what are you doing? God, I I don't get this at all. What's happening? Have you ever been in one of those situations? This starts that context here. You have to imagine the disciples... They know that Jesus loves Lazarus, and he's now been told he's been sick. They know that Jesus has the ability to fix that situation, so he stays. You know the disciples kind of went, um, what are you doing? One of the things about this story that I really love is that it shows God's perfect timing every time. And he illustrates that a little bit further. If you go to John, in verse 17, it says, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus was already been in the tomb for four days. This is significant. Four days, uh, when you, if you talk to Jewish scholars, they say that it was believed that the soul of the body, when you died, the soul of the body kind of hung around for three days. But after four days, you're out of luck. There's just no hope. That's when Jesus showed up. And there's a reason why Jesus showed up on the fourth day. Because there could be no other reason for Lazarus to be raised from the dead than the fact that he was Jesus and He was God's Son. God's timing is always perfect. Now, I told you that I'm going to illustrate what I'm talking about with a couple piles of rocks. So, I want to make a pile of rocks. We, uh, if if you don't know our story, um, I've actually only been here on staff for six months. It'll be six months in a couple of days. Before that, I spent 17 years um, as a business owner doing home inspections. That was my job. We made the decision to 
tr- uh, make the transition into ministry. There was lots of little hurdles and things that, that we were coming across. One of those hurdles uh, was a car. Now, I had been driving a company car uh, forever. It was owned by the company. I know that we owned it, but when we sold the company, the car went with the company. And so, I knew that we needed to buy a car. With all the transitions, we only had about $1,000, maybe $2,000 to buy a car. And so, if you've ever tried to buy a decent car for a thousand bucks, I know Pastor Sean over there. He is he is awesome at it. If you don't know him, he's a good friend of mine. So, he's very good at buying good cars. But most people aren't. And I looked around and uh, I couldn't find anything, and it was getting frustrating. And then other things started happening and. So that thousand or two thousand dollars is now getting less and less, and just we were getting frustrated. I remember um, one of the things that I do is I I keep a prayer journal. It helps me to uh, do a couple of things. One, I can look back and see what God's done, which is always fun. The other thing that it does is as I'm writing, because it takes me a while to write out, it allows me the opportunity to be listening. And so I keep a prayer journal. So I'm in this prayer journal, um, and it was a Saturday night. Things were getting tense because we had just taken this leap of faith. God had called us to do this ministry, and um, we decided we were, we were going to go. And so we sold the business that we had spent years building. We were going to leave our friends. We were going to sell the house that we loved. We were going to take the kids and put them in a different school. There was just a lot of stress and a lot of new stuff, and it was terrifying. And now we needed a car, and it was getting less and less possible. And frankly, I was freaked out. And I remember writing in my journal, God, we, we've stepped out here. We've stepped out in faith that this is what you want us to do, and I am terrified. I need to see that this is, I, I need you to confirm it. And I, I can't express to you how much anxiety that was that day. I was probably writing so hard I was tearing up my page. The next Sunday, so the next day, we go to church, we enjoy worship, and I'm out chit-chatting. It's my favorite thing to do, just to hang out afterwards and talk. And we're chit-chatting, and my wife comes up and says, hey, I need you to come over here and talk to somebody. Okay. Okay. She's got kind of a funny look in her eyes, so I knew it was something a little different, and uh, so we went over, and a person there came up and said, you know, in service today, I feel like God is telling me I need to help you with a car. You could have knocked me over with a feather. I needed an answer from God, and He brought it to me 
at the exact right moment that I needed it. And it meant so much to me to hear from him right then. God's timing is absolutely always perfect. It's sometimes hard to notice that. And when you look at this scripture, you can kind of see that the disciples missed it too because they didn't really understand why they were staying. And uh, you're going to see that as we go on through this piece of Scripture. But it's really important when you're in your situation and you're praying for something, you're earnestly praying for something, it's really important to understand that God's timing is always perfect, always. Let me read for you a, um, a piece of a song written by 33 Miles. I can see your heart is yearning. Everything is so unclear. Is the answer ever coming after all these years? It's not an easy feeling. Sometimes it, f- it seems unfair. But he knows just what he's doing with unanswered prayers. So hold on. It's worth the wait. Just keep believing. God is perfect timing. Never early, never late. It takes a little patience, and it takes a lot of faith, but it's worth the wait. God's timing is always perfect. So that's my, pers- my first pile of rocks, is that God in His perfect timing came through for us. The next piece of the story, it goes on and uh, starts at verse 7. Then after this, He said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, but he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking a rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go that we may die with him. To understand this piece of the the story, we have to have a little context. So, in the chapters, first couple chapters before this, we learn that Jesus has just escaped the temple when people were trying to stone him to death because he'd upset the Pharisees and so they they were trying to stone him. So, that's in Jerusalem. Remember in the beginning of the story, it said Lazarus of Bethany? Now, it's important. You have to draw these lines. Um, Bethany is two miles from the temple in Jerusalem. So, that's basically from here, up the driveway, and out to 480, okay? So, fairly close. So, it goes to, sh- you know, it goes to stand that the disciples are going to be a little uneasy about this. Uh, Jesus, you remember they tried to kill you like yesterday, and you want to go back. The problem that they had 
is that they were allowing their fear to hide what God was doing. God was actually very clear in what He was doing. We can see that now. He was telling them that He was going and there was going to be something really cool that was going to happen. But the disciples missed it because they were afraid. They were afraid of what could happen. Now, in your own stories and in your own situations, have you ever been there before? Have you ever felt the fear of what could happen? So, I want to talk um, really quick about… Sorry, I lost my place. You love that, don't you? Yeah. All right. So, yeah, you look at this thing and you you see Jesus want to go back and His disciples question it, and then there's this weird answer. Jesus has just been asked, "Uh, don't you want to, you sure you want to go back? They tried to kill you, and Jesus responds by saying, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Now, you and I, we get the canon of Scripture, and so we can look at it, and we can kind of know, okay, Jesus is talking about, okay, He's the light, and He's, uh, he's used it before, and the Word of God lights our path. And so, we get that, right? Let's put ourselves in the shoes of the disciples in the moment. This is one of my favorite parts of this story because I laugh every time. Jesus has just been told that uh, He's going to be killed, possibly be killed, and He responds by saying, is there 12 hours in the day? It's the most absurd way to answer a question. And you look at the disciples, I always like to look at the disciples and um, sometimes you think of them going, oh, okay. And there is no way on earth that when they heard that, that they just went, okay, yeah, I get it, because they didn't have the rest of the canon of Scripture. And so, I just find it funny every time when you read through that, and they seemingly are okay with that statement. But what, they, what Jesus is talking about is taking that fear and walking into the light with it. Let me explain that. I told you already that um, in our transition, we had lots of fear going on. Now, when we moved here, uh, we moved in, uh, we felt the, that God was saying, now's the time, we moved into our house. And at that point, we now had two mortgages, two insurances, gas money to go to Wadsworth, it was like we were hemorrhaging money, and it was going out so fast that we could see the end coming at alarming rate. It was kind of like looking at a wall that you're driving 80 miles an hour into, and you're going, ah, this is going to end badly. And the fear gripped me. It was not a fun time at our house. The anxiety level was a little high. Julie can attest to that. The kids, everything was just kind of ugly for a little while. 
because we saw that wall coming up at alarming rate. Well, thankfully, God was working in Julie's life and in my life, and as we were doing our devotions, we both got this sense that God was saying, wait. Wait. God, don't you see that I'm about to take a header into a wall? Wait. Well, God, I have to do something Maybe we'll reduce the house price. We have to get that gone. Wait. Well, maybe, maybe I better get a second part-time job or something. Wait. Wait. It makes absolutely no sense. I'm a responsible adult. I'm supposed to go and take care of this stuff. And God says, wait, do nothing. Oddly, when we realized that that was God speaking into our lives, we got a lot of comfort from that. I won't tell you that it completely eliminated our fear, but it did allow us the opportunity to relax and just go in the journey that God had us in. Still wasn't a lot of fun, but we knew that that is what God wanted us to do. And so it gave us peace. So in your situation, if you have the ability, when you're in that time where you're going, God, what are you doing? Bring that fear into the light, into Scripture, into prayer. And just see what He might show you. He's promised that He will bring you into the light if you're looking for it. So, let's move on to the next piece, starting in verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, He found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. We read that a a few minutes ago. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, remember this as we're going through, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You can feel the pain in her voice. But even now... I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. Jesus weeps. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. 
Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, here it is again, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. You notice that both Mary and Martha said the exact same thing. They knew the power of God. They knew His love for Lazarus. So they knew that He could heal Lazarus, but now it's, it's four days. It's too late. The problem with their idea is that their expectation was out of line with reality of, of God's expectation. And so they were completely blinded by what God was already saying multiple times through this entire story, what He was going to do. He was about to do something really incredible, and they missed it because of their expectations, what they thought God was going to do. In our story, um, I'm going to step back a little bit in our story, and we're still living in Wadsworth. We had made the choice to move. It's May, and we decided to put the house up. So we put the house up for sale, and our expectations were, we're following God's plan. God's going to miraculously sell our house. It's going to be really cool. Our neighbors are going to talk about it. We're going to praise God for what He did with our house sale. That didn't happen. If any of you know, our house didn't sell till the end of November. So let me tell you about what happened in between. So in the middle of summer, uh, actually it was around July, we, um, we were getting ready for a, a garage sale. And um, the house all of a sudden got really warm. Now, our house, it, it was a pretty good house. We never had any trouble with it at all. But now the air conditioning broke. Okay, we got it fixed. The next day, we got a storm. And I heard a loud crash. And I go outside, and our gutter fell off the house. The wind had blown the gutter off. Okay, put the gutter back up. A couple days, I think, after that, we were getting ready for our garage sale. We had a lot of the stuff in our garage. Now, we have a garbage can, a good-sized garbage can, that for nine years we've kept in our garage. Never had any problems with it. For those of you that have a little squeamish stomach, you might hold on for a second. So, my wife walks out in the garage, and I hear her scream. Dutifully, I get up, and I walk out, and I cannot explain to you the, what we saw. The entire garage floor was covered with maggots. And the garbage can, it was like it was throwing up maggots. They were constantly flowing out of the garbage can. So, we took a deep breath. We killed a lot of maggots that day. And we got it put back together. Guess what happened the next day? Another garage full of maggots. Okay. God, you're making this 
really tough. We'll clean up the maggots. So we cleaned up the maggots and we moved. So we move into our house. We're now over in Olmstead Falls. And we notice pretty quickly that we have friends in our house. And now the house is completely infested with mice. I, I'm not kidding you. I have never seen this much mouse poop that shows up every single day. Every counter had mouse poop. Every chair had mouse poop. Every cupboard had mouse poop. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't go to sleep and have any expectation that anything flat wouldn't have mouse poop in it. Okay. Yay. And so we took care of the mice. No sooner had we taken care of the mice, the ants showed up. And there were ants everywhere. Okay, ants, great, ants. So we took care of the ants. Uh, about a month after that, it's three in the morning and our dog starts to bark. Well, our dog, um, she's a loud dog, and when she barks, you pay attention. So, dog's barking, and we hop out of bed. Now, as my wife tells the story, she hopped out of bed. I kind of yawned and said, what's going on? I can't remember which part of this went, but anyways, we hop out of bed. Now, our house, from Julie's side, there's a straight shot through the uh, little half bath into the basement stairway. So I'm crawling out of bed, still half asleep, and Julie is already heading towards that bathroom, and she stops and gasps. And she says, there is a rabbit in our bathroom. I'm like, come on, a rabbit, a rabbit in our bathroom. So, for the next hour, four in the morning, we're chasing a rabbit around our basement. It finally falls in a sump crock, and um, at that point, I mean, our sump crock was dry. I put a cover on it. I'm like, I'm going to bed. I'm done. And I went to bed. We, we both did. The next day, we went down, I grabbed the rabbit, and it squirms out of my hands and it shoots around that basement. If you've ever tried to catch a rabbit by hand, it's comical at best. And um, so we chased it for another hour, finally caught it, got it out of the house. Okay, what next? So this was actually only a couple weeks ago, right? A couple weeks ago, Julie calls me at work and says, um, something is where the rabbit was, or how the rabbit got in. It's not a rabbit. Okay, what is it? I don't know. It's kind of gray fur. All right, so I go home. It's a raccoon. So, we got the raccoon out. <clears throat> So that's been kind of our housing journey. Now, my thoughts through this whole thing were that God was just going to make this go so smooth. Now, remember, I told you that 
we were hemorrhaging money. Now, God had given us, when we got here, God had given us this word of wait. And so we were waiting. We weren't doing it well, but we were waiting. So, September comes, and we're in elder meeting, and I had to tell the elders, I said, listen, I just want you to know, we paid our last mortgage we can afford on the other house. I don't know what's going to happen. We have no, we don't have a contract. We don't even have anybody interested. We're done. So we prayed about it, and we were told to wait, and we could see that wall coming at us really fast. Well, right before it was due, I got a text from a, a friend, and it just said, hey, we're going to take care of that, that mortgage payment for you this month. Praise God, because we didn't have it. And so that got paid. Well, now we're another month in. we still, no contract. Um, you feel that desperate thing. And we got handed an envelope. Actually, before we get there, we're over in Wadsworth and I'm mowing the grass. And when I mowed the grass at Wadsworth, it was usually my time to um, have a not-so-nice conversation with God about how displeased I was with this current situation that we found ourselves in. That, sun, or that, that Friday, I'm mowing the grass, and I sense God tell me, this is not about you. That's it. Okay, kind of is. That Sunday, we got handed an envelope. And in the envelope was enough money to cover this month, the next month, and the repairs that it took to sell the house. God met the need immediately where we need it, when we needed it. And I almost missed it because I was blinded by my own expectations. I, I want to encourage you. This is the end of the year. And normally at the end of the year, we like to make our plans for the next year. We plan out, we make our goals can I encourage you to do something else too? Look back. Look back and see what God has done for you this year. There's a pretty good chance that you should be building up some piles of rocks, praising Him for what He's done. I also want to talk to those people that are in their situations right now. You're in it, you're in it deep. You feel the fear is grasped you. Can I encourage you to step back and do a couple things? 
recognize that God's timing is absolutely always perfect. Always. Two, that fear that has gotten a hold of you and is dragging you down, take that fear and walk it smack into the light of God. Take that fear and pray about it. Take that fear, and when you're reading through Scripture, read through Scripture looking for God to respond. God will reveal and provide light in your situation. The last thing is just a warning. Be very careful that your own expectations won't blind you from what God is doing. God is doing some really cool things. And sometimes those cool things take you through some really ugly battlefields. But let's pile some rocks up. Let's praise Him for what He's doing. Let's pray. Lord, You are good to us more than we ever deserve. Lord, I want to pray for those people that are in their situation right now. Lord, that they are being dragged down by fear. Lord, would you open their eyes? Would you reveal yourself to them in a way that would be memorable, in a way that would make an impact in their life? Would you reveal yourself to them? Would you reveal and light the path that you would have them to walk through this situation. Lord, thank you for always coming through at the perfect time. Even with unanswered prayers, Lord, thank you for those in the perfect time. Lord, help us as we go through the day today to think back and recognize, to stand back and go, that was God. Bring those to our memory, Lord. Help us to share them with each other and help us to praise you for what you've done. In Jesus' precious name, amen. We pray that God will use this message to draw you deeper into a meaningful relationship with him. Hope Community Church is located in Olmstead Falls, Ohio. If you would like to find out more about our church, please visit us at hopeolmstead.org.